Hello everyone, welcome to episode 16 of the NFNL podcast. I'm Samuel Zito, joined by Jared Gardner this week. We'll also have special guests Andrew Sturgis and Paul Harris during the course of the program. Jared Gardner, we're getting really close to the pointy end of the year now. There's just five rounds remaining in the two Division 1 and Division 2 competitions in the men's, uh, only a month in the uh, third division, and our senior women's competitions have just got two more home and away rounds until they get into their finals campaigns. But the weekend saw some pretty significant results come to hand across all grades, and we certainly saw a beauty between Greensborough and North Heidelberg, with the borough prevailing by 12 points. Yeah, well, Samuel, thank you for having me once again. It's uh, it's been a huge round in the Northern Footy Netball League. Obviously, the game we were at at War Memorial Park, Greensboro, just getting the job done. But elsewhere, that win uh, at Benfrey Lay Oval for Hurstbridge. Incredible. Just an incredible comeback to, to come back and win by a point um, against Bandura, who are, who are playing for so much at this point of the season. A uh, huge result. And you can go down the list of, of all three divisions, and there's some, some big results going into the last part of the season. 38 points down, Hurstbridge was. Hadn't ever beaten Bandura heading into the 2019 season. They've come from behind to beat them twice, remembering that when they played back in about round seven or eight, they were five goals down in the first quarter and came back to win by about 17 points, and this time around by the barest possible margin. Um, Also, there was the first grand final rematch of the year with West Preston convincingly winning over McLeod. So we'll go through those in, in a bit more depth. I think the uh, really interesting one for, for mine in, in A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2 was Diamond Creek because a couple of weeks ago they looked at a team on the fringe and we thought a lot would have to go right for them to play finals. Well, in consecutive weeks they've had convincing wins over both of Altham and now Banyol. They're still outside of the top four. But if they can sneak their their way in now, they're giving themselves every chance by beating two of the top three sides in consecutive weeks. But not only would they give themselves a final chance, but if they can get there, they'd have to think they're every possibility of, of causing some, some real carnage given the way they've performed over the past two weeks. Yeah, well, that's the thing. that They've they've had some great results over the last few weeks and then you go into finals time if they can make it and you say, well, there's no reason why we can't beat anyone. And we saw... Um, how good they've been. They were obviously a grand finalist a few years ago, uh, unfortunately going down to North Heidelberg, but they're, they're always a team that's going to be around that point in, in A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2. So there's a few big games shaping up for them. Obviously, in two weeks' time, they face Thomas Town, so that's almost... That's the one, You see, it? that's one where the team who wins that is probably going to make the finals and take that fourth spot. So there's some big games coming up, but... They're going with a lot of confidence over the over this last month of the season. And really, why shouldn't they as well, given the fact that what they're doing is it's not just winning games against good opposition. As we say, convincing winners against Altham a week ago where they won by the best part of six goals and then at the weekend, 40-point winners over Banyul. We'll later talk to the coach of Banyul, but uh, absolutely from their point of view, they were pretty impressed by what their opposition uh, dished up at the weekend. And in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, um, Perhaps three results, maybe when it's expected, but the important one from a, a top four perspective is what happened at Mill Park Lakes Reserve with South Morang getting over the top of Kilmore. That 17-point win means the top four all of a sudden has some breathing space and they're going to take some catching in the, in the back part of the year because as it currently stands, the top two, will they look like they're set in stone now. Lorimer and Panton Hill would need... Uh, well, they're basically locked in for that second semi-final. Kilmore's in third, still with uh, an extra game in hand on the sides in fourth and fifth. So 
you'd probably say at this stage the top three are going to play finals. Fourth, five and six, as we said for the past month, are the sides that are competing for fourth spot with South Morang, Heidelberg, Western Munda. The fact that South Morang's now got a six-point gap on those sides, Munda still has a game in hand, but it means that the Demons don't have their fate in their own hand. What South Morang did at the weekend is really going to be instrumental if they can now play finals football once again. Yeah, that South Morang win is so important because, as you said, it, it kind of gives them that breathing space and and they can kind of afford to um, go into this last part of the season knowing that they just need to they, they, they need to win, they need to do it themselves and it, it only relies on them to, if they want to make finals. And and that's the thing, I mean, it's Mernes done well to get back in the finals hunt but yeah, Kilmore obviously did them no favours by losing at the weekend but it just makes it tough and, and it's hard not to just get down a little bit when you know that you're potentially re- relying on other results but they've certainly, what all Mernes can do from here is keep winning games but uh, South Rank at the weekend took a, a major leap forward in their bid to, to play finals football once again they have been a perennial finalist in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. And look at the senior women's competitions in ANZ Women's Division 1. There were convincing wins all around for the top three or top, well, three of the top four sides. Montmorency didn't play. They had a bye. But um, Diamond Creek Women's convincing winners over Bandura. Uh, VU Western Spurs remain undefeated. 11 straight wins now. They were far too good for West Preston Lakeside. And Darabin will they downed Bendigo Thunder, who were going into the game on the back of their first win of the season mm-hmm. last week. So, um the top five plays finals in all three of the women's competitions, but as it currently stands in ANZ Division 1, you'll the top four sides will all play finals from here, and it's down to basically West Preston, Lakeside, and Bandura to compete for a finals place. In MC Security Division 2 women's, uh, winners of the weekend saw Heidelberg convincingly get the points away to Darabin. Um, Diamond Creek women's won a really close one against St. Mary's, uh, winning that one there by eight points, and that keeps their finals hopes alive. Those two sides in fifth and sixth, respectively, with just percentage separating them now, so that'll be a close run into finals. And the Western Spurs won away to Altham to convincingly keep first spot on the ladder. So also in MC Security Division 2, it looks like the top four are, are locked in for finals with just two rounds to play. They've got a two-game and percentage gap on fifth place St. Mary's, who, as we say, are equal on percentage with Diamond Creek women's, and they'll fight it out for that fifth spot. And then in uh, Mervac Division 3 women's, well, it's not as clear-cut in terms of finals races there because the top four, will they look like they're there. Montmorency is in fourth, just need to win one more game to to ensure the finals, finals place. But you've got fifth, sixth and seventh uh, separated by just one game. So the final two rounds are going to be interesting. There was some... Um, Low scoring through for the low, lowest uh, for the losing sides of the weekend. Unfortunately, the pick of the games saw Greensboro defeat Montmorency at Greensboro War Memorial Park, and then VU Western Spurs won a close one against Reservoir. Hurstbridge jumped into fifth spot by downing Wallen away at Wallen Recreation Reserve, and Lorimer was victorious out at Mernda. That win ensuring that Lorimer will play finals this season, their first time playing finals in the women's competitions in the NFNL. So that was a look at the weekend that's just gone by. We're going to take an in-depth look after the break at Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 where there's five rounds to go into finals and the finals picture is still not clear at all as we try to uh, figure out what the, the machinations of the top five might be at the conclusion of round 18. You are listening to the NFNL podcast. I'm wearing it. Me too. I'm wearing it for the canteen lady's husband. I'm wearing it for coach. I'm wearing it for Sally's sister. I'm wearing it for Uncle Greg. I'm wearing it for mum. I'm wearing it for my dad. I'm I'm wearing wearing it for Zero. 
This August 3rd, over 1,000 local club captains are wearing zero for the TAC and AFL Victoria Towards Zero round, helping achieve our goal of zero deaths and serious injuries on our roads. Get down to your local club and show your support, because together we can make zero possible. TAC Towards Zero. Looking now to Meadows Greyhounds Division 1, we're in round 13. We saw some pretty remarkable games, probably none more so than Hurstbridge, 18 goals, 6-114, defeating Bandura, 17-11-113. Unfortunately for Lowell Plenty, it looks like relegation is just about confirmed for them. They, they went down at, at Northcote Park, 7 goals, 15-57, to 10 goals, 7-67. Greensboro won a thriller in the top three clash against North Heidelberg, winning 11 goals, 9.75 to 9 goals, 9.63. Heidelberg's march to September continues. Far too good for Montmorency, 17 goals, 10, 112 to 9 goals, 8.62. And the grand final rematch saw West Preston Lakeside romp to victory, 17 goals, 10, 112 to McLeod, 7 goals, 9.51. It means the top five as it currently stands has Greensboro on top on 48 points, Heidelberg second on 40 points, North Heidelberg third on 34 points, and then we've got both West Preston Lakeside and Northcote Park fourth and fifth respectively on 24 points, and then those still in the finals mix. You've got McLeod sixth with 22 points, Bandura is 7th, as is Montmorency 8th and Hurstbridge 9th. Those three sides all on 20 points all have better percentages than the 5th placed Cougars, meaning that if the Cougars were to drop a game this week and any of those three sides win, they could potentially push inside the top five. It's remarkable to think, Jared, that at round 13, nine sides remain in finals contention and it just you just can't see how it's not going to go down to the very last perhaps quarter of the year with all of those nine sides certainly having real claims and, and we know that certainly the top three are going to be playing finals but four through to nine you couldn't write off any albeit some have clearer runs from here than others yeah exactly there's there's so many sides still in the race for that has fallen a few spots in 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 the finals race and you just look at a team like a team like Hurstbridge who have, have been really impressive over the last month or so um as sitting ninth on the ladder pretty much by percentage but if they can get a few wins on the board and other results go their way. They, they could be playing finals this season. A team like Bandura just hasn't looked up to it over the last little little bit of the season. So it's going to be interesting to see how they can bounce back towards the last little bit and, and see if they can, they can take a spot in finals. So there's six sides competing for the final two spots, fourth and fifth. At the moment, if you had to say on, on a form line, you'd have West Preston, who is fourth at the moment, probably them, McLeod, and then Hurstbridge for me are the three that are playing the best footy. Albeit we know Northcote Park have had... You know, the shakes a bit. They've only won two of their past nine, but they've got the extra game or extra win on, on the the four sides directly below them on the ladder. Half a game in, in McLeod's case, but still have the points advantage. So those three are obviously playing the better footy, but you can't discount anyone. Bandura, you mentioned them there. They're at real risk now of, of missing the finals for the first time since 2001. They have lost their past four. We'll speak to Andrew Sturgis in a few moments time as well but they've got a really tough run home they've got Montmorency this week and then play the current top four so you can look at it two ways you say well it makes life very difficult because they've got the toughest run home of, of any of those sides that are, are trying to play finals but then you say well 
you may as well play them now because if you are going to get there, they're the side you're going to be facing anyway. So they've obviously got a, a tough run from here, but with four consecutive losses, they've got their, their work absolutely cut out. And at the weekend, it was probably the, the most painful loss for them to, to probably experience going down to Hurstbridge, led by 38 points, but conceded seven of the last eight goals, lost the lead with uh, less than a minute to go after Cameron Cloak converted from a free kick. So keeps the Bridges well and truly in the race. Remarkable. Hurstbridge, you've seen them a couple of weeks ago against Lowell Plenty where all their big you know, key forwards were, were taking marks and kicking goals. But they're a dangerous, dangerous side. When you look at the weekend, Nick Milne kicked five, Cameron Cloak four, Bailey Jordan was marking everything in the last quarter. He finished with two goals. And then through the midfield, uh, good games in the ruck from Jamie Smith and Tom Simpson in particular in the last quarter was in outstanding form. They are, they're a danger side to, to any side at the moment. And all of a sudden, they're, they're a chance to play finals for the first time in, in Division 1 in the club's history. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing feat by, by Jared Tilly in this Hurstbridge club to, to be in the race for finals at, at this point of the season. Um, obviously, to do it against... To, to get the win against Bandura um, is such a huge result for them because if they had lost that, they they really lose touch with the top five and, and it probably looks like their finals chances are over. Yeah, I think if they lost, I probably would have drawn the, the line yeah. through them. It would have meant that they're two games and, and, and percentage out behind Bandura. So I think that would have, would have done their season. So it's courageous to, to come back from position they were in yeah they, they, they've been so good this season and I think as you said I saw them a couple of weeks ago against lower plenty um they were just dominant in that game and, and as you said their their forwards really got on top and that's what they've been able to do in their wins this season they're able to get those scoring shots on the board and they're able to to get those big scores on the board and, and when they're kicking scores of pretty much over 100 teams that aren't going to really get too close to them um, has to be said, I guess their ground is conducive to high scoring because it is smaller at the weekend. When you get momentum on that ground, it's very hard for, for the opposition to stop. But just looking at their run home, they've got Heidelberg at Ben Freelay this weekend. So the Tigers are going to be favoured, but it's a smaller ground for yep. them to come to. And we saw them struggle against Lowell Plenty uh, earlier in the year as well. So Hurstbridge would, would give themselves a, a chance. And then the next three weeks after that, McLeod, West Preston, Lakeside and Northcote Park finish with Greensboro away from home. So the next month in particular is going to be crucial, but but those three games from rounds 15 to 17 are, are going to steal Hurstbridge's fate. If they win two of those, even three, well, they're probably in fifth spot. If if they you know drop you know probably two, then they're not going to play final. So their their fate's in, in their own hands, but, but they are a side that's that's coming good at the, at the right time of the year and building momentum as they hunt a, a final spot as well. The grand final rematch, well, West Preston Lakeside fans would rejoice, but in terms of a spectacle, it was a bit of a, a fizzer. Both sides came in with really good form lines going in and off the back of, in, in McLeod's case, a couple of really good wins over sides in the, uh, well, Bandura being one, and, and then also uh, Downing Heidelberg, who was in second spot. But after kicking the first goal through Reed Brandt, West Preston Lakeside then went on to kick the next seven and probably had the game in their keeping by midway through the second quarter. McLeod had a, a good finish to the second term to keep him in the hunt by half time, but the Roosters piled on the first five goals of the third quarter and, and put the game to bed. McLeod, well, they'll look to bounce back quickly, but from West Preston Lakeside, aside from just getting the win and, and going into fourth spot, I think now they're... they're they're going to have the size at the top end of the ladder looking over their shoulder because if they finish fourth or fifth and were to win the elim- elimination final, whoever loses that f- that uh, first final, the, the qualifying, whether it's Heidelberg or North Heidelberg, 
they're going to come up against potentially a West Preston Lakeside side, a reigning premier as well, that's building form at the right time of the year. And they've got match winners all over the ground. Obviously, Ahmed Saad's one who draws you know so much attention any time we talk about West Preston Lakeside. But when you look at the midfield with La Rossi and Federico in there, in great form, Osgo Eustace having a really good year. He was he kicked three goals the weekend and a couple of beauties amongst that as well. They've got some real talent. We know they've seen a lot more of Aiden Tilly over the past two months, and they are coming good at the right time. Yeah, it's just it's a great job by Rob Marana and this West Preston Lakeside Club because they did it the hard way last year. They obviously lost that qualifying final to North Heidelberg last year and then went on to, to win four straight and or three straight and, and get the get the premiership but they're just one of those teams that they're, they're, they're so dangerous going forward and we've seen that so often uh, with this West Preston side because Ahmed Saad just does it week in week out but he's got help from a few other guys who are able to kick goals and, and uh, really help the West Preston Lakeside, Lakeside team kick big scores, so Look, they're a dangerous one. 17 goals at the weekend. Saad kicked four, useful three, but I'd also be really happy with the game of Mitch Crapper, so a youngster coming into the side as well. He had a, a really big impact in a big game, so he was important. And, and Mitch Tobin, well, he's become a really improved player. Um, obviously, was, was just a role player probably going back and, and part of the premiership side, but he's really taken his game to another level. So they're coming good at the right time. Six wins from their past seven. The only loss was to Greensboro, whose second half that day I think was as good as Greensboro's played all year. West Preston led up until half time. So you'd probably say in, in the past seven weeks they've had a bad half of footy, and that's the only thing that's prevented them going through with a yeah, a seven-game winning streak. So they're building at the right time. Um, the other one we'll touch on um, probably in depth is the Greensboro-North Heidelberg game because that was, well, we said it on the day, but if that's what the finals are going to be like, we'll bring it on. Fantastic game of footy, um, really tough in the clinches, as you'd expect, between these two proud sides. And it was a game where Greensboro led for you know most of the game, particularly from the midway point of the second term, but North Heidelberg just didn't go away and it got to a point at time on in the last quarter where scores were actually level. Greensboro had to kick the final two goals to win, but these two midfield groups, when they go head-to-head, it's going to be fantastic if we see these two sides meet on Preston City Oval in September. Yeah, exactly. From from the first bounce, really, it, it had that kind of finals atmosphere because it was just so tough and so contested the entire match. And as you said, both of those midfield groups are so proud and they, they did such a good job on the weekend. Um, it's just... Greensboro kind of always looked to have that little bit of an edge, but North Heidelberg weren't going away the entire match, and they were able to get on those birds, were able to kick three goals in a row and, and get in front or, or get the scores to almost level. So they were always putting that pressure on Greensboro, but just a, a little bit of class from Greensboro at the end to, to seal it. Yeah, those those last few goals coming, as we say, in time on through Tyne and Smith and and, uh, and the final goal to John Desmond, which was a, unlucky for North Heidelberg. There was a cruel bounce that went back over a defender's head and gave Greensboro back possession right in the goal mouth to, to kick the sealer. But I think from Greensboro's point of view, they'll be wrapped to get back on the winner's list after losing to Heidelberg the week prior. But I think for North Heidelberg, they'll lose, but they'll take plenty from that game. They were soundly beaten when the sides met back in, in round uh, six. I think it was around seven at Shelley Reserve. But this time, closed the deficit. Shane Harvey didn't have an impact. He didn't kick a goal. Was was pretty well contained by a backline that was well served by the likes of Adrian Cataldo and and Billy Bedford in the absence of of Nick Riddle. But they'll look at that and say, well, we can get probably we'll get more out of Shane next time around. There's a few things we could probably tinker with as well. And they still finish within two goals. So I think um, 
they wouldn't walk away too disappointed and they'd be wrapped with their fighting spirit. It was amazing how they kicked their goals on the day, though, wasn't it? Nine goals, three times they had bursts of three goals yep. in the space of from five to eight minutes. It was remarkable that when they got one, it just flowed on from there. Yeah, it just every time they, they kicked one, it just kind of felt like another one was coming a minute later and then another one came a few minutes after that. So it was just um, something we expected on the day. And I think I said it during the call, like they kicked two batches of the three and they kicked another one. And I thought, well, they're going to kick three, like they're going to kick another two here and, and kick three on the trot. So they got... And they, they did. Kept, they, yeah, they kept getting in touch with Greensboro and um, it's, it's going to be an interesting one if they do meet come finals time. Shane Harvey's an interesting one because obviously didn't have the impact he probably expected on the weekend. But if if he wants to kick a bag next time that they play Greensboro, Nick Riddle might come back, and, mm. and Nick Riddle held him really well in their in their last matchup. So I don't know. It's either you're looking for Shane Harvey to go forward and kick a bag and and get away from Nick Riddle, or you, do you look for him to have an impact in another way um, well, on the wing or, or kind of off half-back? We, we saw him obviously working high up the ground at the weekend. I, thought, um, I don't know, we're talking a lot about North, even though they lost, but Shane Biggs was one as well. He kicked three goals, and yeah. I think he just uh, he's one that's starting to build into this season nicely. So they'll look to him to have a really big impact in the finals, but despite losing, they'll uh, certainly get the double chance in the finals. The only side that will have a double chance last year that will retain it this year, it looks. And, and for Greensboro, well, Charlie Molyneux, Tom Bell, Chris Clark, that's probably the best on-ball division. You know, what's, you know, we look through the comp and you've got some great, you know, great uh, combinations there, but that, they're just so big and strong and, and tough at the footy that when Liam Reed's back in the side as he was at the weekend, it makes them even better. And, and Liam Reed potentially becomes the most important player in, in Greensboro's mix because we saw them soundly beaten the week before by Sam Gilmore in the ruck. But at the weekend, he had a really good battle with Michael Florence and you probably split the points in that one there. But if Greensboro can you know, at least nullify that ruck battle, and then with those that those on ballers there, they, they're going to be, um, yeah, they're a tough, tough treater to try and break down so um, that was that one there and the other two games where we saw Heidelberg rump, romp to victory against Montmorency it was close midway through the second term um, Heidelberg led by just a point after Mont had kicked three goals in a row at one stage but um, after that it was yeah they kicked the last three goals before half time Heidelberg and then after the main break kicked six goals to two so they just keep doing what they're doing getting a nice spread of goal kickers again, Heidelberg, with still some, some pretty good players to come back into that lineup. But at the weekend, Chaz Sargent, Sam Wright, and Josh Minogue all kicked three. Sam Wright's an interesting one. Just adds a bit of flair in the mix. Hasn't played a lot of games this year, but could be an X factor if he gets a game come finals time. Um, Montmorency will... It doesn't... I mean, it puts a dint in their finals hopes, but they're still... They still have their, their fate in their their own hands, uh, albeit they couldn't um, couldn't emulate some of their their recent performances at the weekend. And um, we saw them beat Northcote Park. We've seen them really challenge North Heidelberg prior to that, and then also smash Hurstbridge. But at the weekend, couldn't keep that going. So their run home from here, the Magpies, uh, obviously a massive one this weekend, which we'll touch on in a few moments' time. They have Bandura, but they've got also West Preston Lakeside, North Heidelberg, McLeod, and Lowell Plenty. So certainly opportunities there if they're good enough. Yeah, Montmorency are an interesting one for me because they've they've got the talent and they've obviously got one of the best coaches in the league in Gary Ramsey um, at the helm. So they're, they're a team that if they get to finals, I can see them doing a lot of damage. But at, at the same time, 
they're going to have to get there first because they've, they've been so up and down this season. So they're, they're going to be an interesting one going into this last month and see if they can snag a final spot. Yeah, well, it was probably their best three-week patch of the period, uh, patch of the season rather, going into the game. And as I said, up until uh, mid to late wait, through the second turn, they were right in the game, but but fell away thereafter. And uh, as we said, it was um, six goals to two. In, in fact, it was seven goals to two in the second half. But Heidelberg also kicked the last three goals of the second term. So. 10 of the last 12 is pretty convincing and then Northcote Park did what it needed to do against Lower Plenty did their hard work early uh, kicked six goals uh, six of the first uh, eight goals and at half time looked to have the game in, in safe keeping Lower Plenty really bounced back in the second term albeit with Rue Wayward kicking two goals six they kicked in that third quarter Lower Plenty but they also kicked the first goal of the last quarter and were within a kick but thereafter, Northcote Park was able to settle, kick the next three goals, and, and then held on for a 10-point win. Um, Paul Durago played forward. He kicked two, so it gave him the luxury, without Lowell Plenty having a big hulking forward, that he could push forward. Obviously, we know how versatile he can be. This weekend, they take on Greensboro away from home, where uh, as you'd think that Durago might have to go back, just given how potent Greensboro's forward line might be but then you didn't then do query whether Northcote has the the scoring prowess to be able to kick a winning score through Greensboro they'd love to have two of Paul Drago one to, to place at both ends yeah Drago is, is such a, a phenomenal player in this competition because he just does seemingly everything um, we've seen previously when Northcote Park have been a bit low in the ruck stocks he's gone into the ruck and, and played through there so he just kind of does it all and so you almost want three or four of him on the team but um, there's only one of him and they'll have to decide this week where is best for, for him to play and, and what's going to have the biggest impact because this Greensboro forward line is so potent but then if he goes forward the defence is one of the best in the competition and as a, as a group, they'll seemingly like they look to hold him really well. So it'll be a big decision for Northcote Park. At the weekend, he kicked two, and Michael Ahmed and Ricky Fandridge kicked three each. So they um, only kicked the ten goals for the day, but they have some lively forwards there. But a big task coming up this week, and uh, as we said from the outset, Lowell Plenty now that they find themselves three games and percentage in bottom place on the ladder. Um, and would need to basically win every game from here to to avoid the drop, given the fact that the sides above them are likely going to at least win one more game from here. So this weekend we hit the round 14. It means after this, only a month to go before finals. The games that we have coming up, see Hurstbridge at home to Heidelberg. That's a really intriguing one, as we said before. Hurstbridge currently ninth, Heidelberg second, but ladder positions don't probably outline um, you know how close this competition is this year, and Hurstbridge will take some confidence in, albeit Heidelberg in really good form based on what we saw at the weekend and convincing winners the last time the sides met. But I just think the ground dimensions just throw another element into the mix this week. Greensboro at home to Northcote Park, where the borough certainly going as favourite in that game, as we just mentioned. Lower Plenty up against McLeod, that game at Montmorency Park, South Oval. And then two games that uh, certainly will have a, an impact on the, the shape of the ladder. We've got West Preston Lakeside at home to North Heidelberg, that at J.E. Moore Park. North, a convincing victor when the sides met in round three, won that one by 10 goals, but four lines have changed for West Preston since then. So that's going to be a big test for the Roosters of, of their current form. Um, we just said how... You know that they were looking good once again, and and that they're probably the side that the top three are looking over their shoulder at. Amazing to think that if they lose, they're likely to go back outside the top five this weekend. So it's uh, it's funny how it how it all works. And then the other game is Bandura up against Montmorency, where both sides know exactly what's at stake there. 
if this probably at best space for one of them in the top five at season's end. So this game is going to be absolutely telling. They're in seventh and eighth spot, respectively, both on five wins and eight losses. And heading into that game, we caught up with the playing coach of the Bandura Football Netball Club, Andrew Sturgis, to give us his thoughts on that big encounter and his side's recent form, which has included four consecutive defeats. Andrew, appreciate you joining us on the NFNL podcast. Obviously, a tough one at the weekend, being run over in the last quarter. What did you make of the defeat at Hurstbridge? Yeah, thanks for having me, Samuel. Um, obviously, not ideal, and um, that's probably one of the worst losses that I've um, yeah that I've ever been involved in. And um, and I suppose it was really disappointing because we felt you know like the last um, although the last month we haven't. Um, you know, we haven't won a game, and, and and things might seem a little bit doom and gloom from from the outside. Um, internally, you know, we feel like we've we've um, you know we've, we've still kept spirits pretty high, and um, and turned the corner, you know, a little bit in the way that we played against McLeod. Um, you know, we were, we were coming home pretty late in the in the last quarter against them, and, and just had a couple of moments. Um, late in the game that gave them opportunity to sort of, you know, kick some goals and kick away and um and then again on the weekend, you know, felt like we played um really good football for, you know, eighty five percent of the day and um that fifteen percent, you know, it, it, it really hurt us and, and burnt us and ultimately cost us a, a win. Um you know, so we we were certainly hurting and, and it was a you know, just a really old funeral like feeling. Um, in the rooms post game, and um, but you know, we've got a big game ahead of us this week, and you know, the the, uh, the beauty about football is it moves on pretty quickly because you can't afford to sort of just live in that negative space for too long because um, it will impact you know, the way that you approach the following week, which you know, we've just got to look at wounds and move on and. Um, hopefully be better again this week. You mentioned uh, as, as part of that, that answer that you know, your past two weeks that there's been improving signs. I know you, you've lost the past four games now, but against McLeod, you're within a kick with five or ten minutes to play. Obviously, at the weekend, you're doing something right to, to get as far ahead as, as you were at Hurstbridge, which is never an easy ground for, for opposition sides to go to. What have you seen as, as the positives to, to come out of the past couple of games despite not getting that final result? I think I was having a look at it before and just you know, early on in the season, we were able to, um, you know, we were able to get get scores and goals, and um, and the way that we moved the ball was um, was really good, and, and probably a feature of our game. Um, and I think probably, uh, you know, we we probably lost a little bit of that either through you know conditions and, and probably skill areas. Now I go back even to the Northgate Park game where, um, you know, again we felt like we. we we played well enough. We had more inside fifties in Northgate Park, uh, more scoring shots, but our our turnovers just really hurt us. Um, and you know, even against Holderberg in, in horrible conditions, we were able to play good football for probably three quarters and then got blown away in the last. So now we feel like we feel like even though in in a lot of games, um, even the games that we've lost, we've actually played good patches of football for for a long period of the game, and, and we've hurt ourselves in, in little parts and I suppose the, the pleasing thing that we've seen in the, particularly the last two weeks is probably just our um, disposal efficiency probably lifted and it's no so incident that if you use the ball well you know you probably get better looks at goal you 
your heart is to defend against. Uh, you know, so, and that's what we found with Cloud. We were able to use the football pretty well at times, particularly going inside 450. And, um, and then again on the weekend, you know, we were clinical for most of the day with our, with our ball use and going inside 50. So, um, yeah, and we probably just lost our way a little bit in that area, I reckon, for, for a while. So, you know, again, hopefully we can sort of bring that and, and defend better been better this week and and, uh, and get the get the right side of the result rather than uh, the wrong side. In terms of, of the weekend's game, and we know that it doesn't matter what level of footy you play at, that when a side, the opposition side gets the momentum, it's always a hard thing to, to try and, and get back. Obviously, Hurstbridge kicked eight goals in that final term to, to get the win and, and, and pinched it really late in the piece as well in the final minute. But uh, as a coach and an on-field coach as well, obviously with the, the playing component, what do, you, what do you try and do in those final stages when you know that the, the run of the game is going against you and, and you're just trying grimly to hold on? What is what is it that you can actually do to perhaps change the, the outset of the game? Yeah, it's a great question and um, I reckon it's one that like you said, throughout any level coaches have probably been trying to tinker with stuff and come up with answers um, you know, for the bloody century now in terms of how you stop momentum because it is the, it's the greatest thing to have on your side and it's the hardest thing to stop in, in games momentum um, and it was funny, on, on the weekend when, when they sort of, you know, were, were really coming and probably got within two goals, I actually removed myself from the ground to, to just try and get a better look at it from a, from, from off field and just, um, you know, see if there was some things structurally that we that we could play around with um, to try and, yeah, to try and extend their momentum. Um, but, you know, when a team's got that much, uh, that much behind them and crowd sort of get involved and, and it's, a, you know, it's a small ground as well so I think as, as much as you can be out ahead by five or six goals it's, that, that lead can probably go pretty quickly as well um, so yeah we again we, we have we have things in place that we that we do when things get a roll on and you know, throughout, um, throughout games this year we've, we've done that and we've been able to stop momentum and on the weekend it didn't work for us and to Hurstbridge's credit they just kept you know Finding another gear and 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 they kick straight, so that helps as well. Obviously, now the equation's I guess pretty simple. You just have to get back on on the winners list to, to in order to perhaps finish in the top five. You're currently one game outside. Your percentage um, keeps you right in the mix there. Obviously, in terms of Northcote Park, who are in fifth, you, you've got a better percentage than them. But it's a tough run home. You've got Montmorency this week, followed by the top four sides as it currently stands. Obviously, if you are going to get a top five spot, you're going to have to earn it, but what do you make of the five weeks coming up ahead for, for the Bundera Footy Club? Yeah, like, huge, really. Um, you know, we, we put ourselves in this position and, and we're the only ones that can um, get ourselves to where we want to be and that's, and that's playing on a football. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not, a, not an easy run home, but it, I, I think... If you look at the ladder and, and the points at the moment, there's there's really no easy game in the whole competition. So it doesn't matter really where sides sit in terms of um, position on the ladder. Uh, I think that every game for the rest of the year, you know, whether it's us or whether it's um, McLeod that are pushing for finals or West Preston or Hurstbridge or Montmorency, every game has a lot riding on it. And, and we know that um, you know, this week uh, Montmorency are in exactly the same boat as us, that they're their season's riding on it and, 
and they're going to be hungry to, to try and get a win and, and, uh, and take their claim for, for that fifth spot or fourth spot. And, um, and then we know the week after the Greensboro are, are doing what they're doing at the moment and they're not going to be, um, you know, they're not going to just hand it the game because uh, they feel sorry for it. They, they, they've just been ruthless this year and, um, and they'll want to get that minor premiership sewed up well and truly, I would have thought. And, uh, you know, and then Heidelberg away and West Preston at home and then North Heidelberg. So, you know, you're right, it doesn't get not easy, but at the same time, at the start of the year, we, I think we played um, all those teams bar Heidelberg in the, in the first sort of five or six rounds. And, you know, we turned okay at it from that. And, um, and you know, we I think I sort of said at the start, of the year, you know, you got to play all the finals and tough start of the year. And, and we were okay. And then, um, and it's sort of a tough finish to the end. And, uh, to the season so um, like you said you've got to play him at some stage and, and we'll have to play him in finals if we're good enough to make it so um, you know, it's something that you can either shy away from or you can rise up and take it on and that's uh, certainly what we'll be, tr- uh, we'll be trying to do Your side's been obviously crucified in recent weeks with, with injuries to, to key players and, and, and throughout the season as a whole I guess guys like um, Brent Marshall and, and Dale Marshall have played perhaps half the year uh, at best there's been injuries right throughout the campaign and at the moment there's still quite a few players who, who aren't back in the side are you a chance to get any of those back in the in the run into the final five rounds? Yeah we are and that's sort of you know that's um, I suppose a good thing to sort of have uh, you know in the back of our minds is that we'll we do have um, we do have guys returning in, in, in the coming weeks and um, that have been out for, for large parts of the season and you know and it, it's guys that probably don't really get you know as much recognition as your Dale Marshalls and Brent Marshalls and um, you know guys like Matty Evans who are just so important to our backline in terms of the way that we set up and, and his voice and communication and leadership on field Ben Young who obviously come back from an ACL and then to, to um, fracture skateboard and have to have surgery on, on that, you know, just shattering for him. And um, But it, it turned out okay that we'd probably look like we might get hit back for the last game or two of the season. Um, you know, Brenton Griffer, who we got across from Whittlesey, and again, is a pretty important part to, to the way that we play and, and our side and how he sets up for us on the wing. has sort of been, you know, riddled with injury and illness throughout the year and played his first game back in a month on the weekend after an infection. So... Um, yeah, there's guys that we guys that we will get back over the over the coming weeks. Dale Marshall should hopefully be back this week as well. So um, yeah, we feel like if we can if we can get our best 22 out there, then then we can challenge with you know the best, the better teams in the competition. But um, yeah, we don't we don't want to use that as an excuse either because I think no team at this stage of the year would would have their best 22 out, and that's the that's the beauty of list management, isn't it? That you you can't just prepare to have your best 22 available every week because history says that you're probably not going to. So, um, in, in a way, it's been great to blood guys like Bailey Thompson, who's had a fantastic year, has you know, played every game um, as, a, as a still an eligible under-19-year-old. Um, you know, I've been able to get games into John Jorgensen, Jason Panham's playing on the weekend, Jacob Maines has played. So, um, you know, Roger Gray's played a lot of twos football. So, you know, where there's where there's heartache, there's opportunity. So, um, but yeah, getting those guys back will be important as well to the back end of our season. 
Well, we really appreciate your time, Andrew. Obviously, the last month hasn't been hasn't been the easiest for the club, so we do appreciate you picking up the phone and, and, and being part of the NFNL podcast. Obviously, it's a massive five games coming home as, as your side looks to continue, or your club rather, looks to continue that very long uh, finals history that they've had for, for the best part of two decades. So all the best this weekend and for the, the five weeks ahead, and uh, really appreciate your time in joining us on the NFNL podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, Samuel. We now turn our attention to A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2, where as it stands at round 13, we all of a sudden have a tie at the top of the ladder with Banyul and Whittlesey, both on 36 points, albeit Banyul has played the one fewer game, also has the percentage advantage there. Altham, with a win, remains in third spot, and Thomastown rounds out the top four on 28 points. But then we've got Diamond Creek, 26 points, and the Fitzroy Stars, well, they're on 18 points, so they're 10 points out, have a game in hand. They're going to have to win every game going forward from here, but we know the star side is capable at their best at the weekend. We'll look through the results. We saw Diamond Creek with the biggest result of the round, 14 goals, 5.89, down Banyul, 6 goals, 13.49. Epping, 7 goals, 6.48, no match for Thomastown, 15.18, 108. Uh, Fitzroy Stars faded late in their defeat against Altham, 6 goals, 9.45 to 12 goals, 8.80. And Whittlesey brought St Mary's winning run to an end, 10 goals, 14.74 the Borough to the Eagles, 18 goals, 10.118. Jared Gardner, hard not to be drawn to the result that occurred at Coventry Oval where Diamond Creek uh, really got on top after quarter time and romped to their best victory. Well, we said last week it was probably their best win since reaching the grand final in 2017. Well, I think what we saw at the weekend was probably surpassing that as, as to what they produced at Altham and a great win to beat the ladder leader by 40 points. Yeah, exactly. Anytime you beat a team above you on the ladder, it's a good win, but to do it so convincingly, um, it, it's a credit to, to Diamond Creek and, and what they've done this season. Um, just keeps them in the hunt for that final spot because, as we said earlier, it's probably if they lost that, it really... It was going to be a lot harder for them to make finals with Thomastown. Um, would have been six points ahead of them. So it's it's a, a great result for Diamond Creek and, and it'll give them a lot of confidence going into the last little bit of the season. Yeah, so we know that this... Oh, if we first, just look at, at this week's game for, for Diamond Creek. They're away to Epping. Thomastown's at home to Watsonia. So we'd expect both of those two sides to, to win this week. But if we look at the, the remaining fixtures for, for both, currently as it stands, as we say, I'll, I'll repeat, Thomastown... 28 points they're currently on. Diamond Creek's on 26. You probably keep percentage out of the equation because Diamond Creek's had, had the, the buy throughout the uh, throughout the course of the year. So percentage won't come into hand unless Thomas Dan has a, a draw somewhere in the uh, in the back half. But uh, looking ahead to the games that Thomas Town have this weekend, as we say, Watsonia at home. Then they travel to Diamond Creek and then finish off the season with Whittlesey and Banyul. Whittlesey away, Banyul at home. Diamond Creek, well, their run just seems a bit more straightforward. They've got Epping this week at Epping, then consecutive home games against Thomastown and Watsonia, and then finish with St Mary's away. We know St Mary's can be dangerous. So Thomastown's definitely got the harder draw there, albeit they've got the two-point advantage, and they'll know that when it gets to Coventry Oval next week, that's going to be the game that potentially defines Thomastown's finals push. Um you almost feel that Diamond Creek could potentially lose that and still make it. I don't think that 
Thomas Town could lose that game and still make the top four if, if Diamond Creek just wins the games they have to win. Yeah, it's it's basically the equation for Diamond Creek is basically they just got to win and just ex- it will hope that Do- Thomas Town can drop a game whether it's two Diamond Creek or just one later in the season. I expect if um, if the results go their way, I think I expect there there to be a lot of Diamond Creek players at Main Street in round eighteen when Thomas Town take on Banyul cheering on. Um, Daniel just to, to hope they can snag yeah. that last final so spot. That's, so and that's the interesting thing. Diamond Creek have the buy yeah. in, in the last round. Thomastown's buy comes up in in a couple of weeks' time after the game against Diamond Creek. But you're right, it's it's going to get to that last round where it potentially with Diamond Creek has to just sit and, and hope potentially. Yeah, that 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 that's something they they won't want to do. They they hope to have it somehow wrapped up before them. But if they can't, then. Um, yeah, it's going to be a real tense Saturday afternoon for some of those Diamond Creek players. And then the Fitzroy Stars, so they're they're still in the mix just because we know that when they're good enough, they can beat some of the best sides, as we've seen them this year, beat both um, Eltham and Whittlesey by convincing margins. They're actually playing Whittlesey again in the return bout this weekend, so they have to win every game from here and then have hope the other results go their way. But they've, they've got to play six games, and that's what gives them the fighting chance because of the fact that they've already had their two buys. So they've got Whittlesey away this week. Then it's Banyul away. So two really tough games coming up. Then it's Epping at home, Watsonia away, St. Mary's at home. So they're going to have to win uh, all, sorry, all five remaining games. I said six a moment ago, all five. But they've got two tough ones, obviously, with the top two in the next two weeks. They're going to have to produce something special, and it might well start this week. They were a 31-point victor the last time they played Whittlesey, but it's pretty straightforward for Fitzroy Stars now. They just have to win five games and, and then hope other results go their way. Yeah, exactly. They're a side that, as you said, when they're at their best, they can really beat anyone. They're, they're, one, of, they're one of the really talented sides in this competition, but if they'll go into this game this weekend with a lot of confidence after defeating Whittlesey previously, then that if they can get a win this week, that really spurs them on into the Banyul matchup. And then if they win that, then they'll go with a heap of confidence. The last three three matches, they'll face a, a team like St. Mary's who have, have been a challenger to a, some of the top teams in, in A-plus Labor Solution Division 2 so far this season. So they'll, they'll just have to build on their confidence. And if they can get a win this week, that starts it all. Yeah, well, the next two are going to be the, the most critical ones, aren't they, to see if they can stay in the finals race. Obviously... At the weekend, we've talked about Diamond Creek's result. That was the upset. The other three, probably the, the favourites, won those, albeit Whittlesey. I'm really impressed with what they did because they took on a St. Mary's side, which had won three going in, led by 10 points at quarter time and, and would have been, you know, had you know high confidence at home. But Whittlesey was able to, to turn things around. And Nick Papillo's come into the side this year and having a real impact in front of the big sticks. He kicked five, but... This Whittlesey side, it's funny, it just feels like they're still sneaking under the radar to, to some extent. They're now nine wins, three losses. They've really built their percentage in recent weeks. It's bedded only by Banyul on, in terms of the percentage stakes, but they just sneak under the guard, and, and they're a side that's got Division One talent through that list. They've obviously spent three years in the top flight prior to this year. Blair Harvey at the helm. You just think, get to finals, and they've got plenty of experience through the side and a lot of youngsters that have... Yeah, showed really good signs throughout the year, but it's not often the side gets to to this point of the year, sits in second, and for mine, just manages to to avoid the uh, the limelight, so to speak. Yeah, after the results Bagnall have had over the last few weeks, it almost puts Whittlesey ahead for mine because there are such a talented side, and we got to remember, if I remember correctly, it's they they basically were relegated on the last day of the season last year Absolutely. to, to Hurstbridge, yes. so 
it's it's a, they're a team that is competitive in Division One and knows they can be competitive up there. So they come down to Division Two and they say, well, if we can be competitive in Division One, why can't we win Division Two? So it's going to be a real tight race for for the top spot on the ladder. Obviously, Banu will have that extra game in hand. So it's an interesting one going into the last month of the season. But I don't see why Whittlesey can't get on top. Yeah, I, I, the start of the year for mine, even though they'd had they'd been really good in, in the top flight, three years they spent there and, and had some big wins along the way while, while they're up uh, up playing in Division 1, but I thought this year might just be a rebuild year for them. Um, obviously, we knew that the start of the year, Banyul and Altham would be stiff opposition. We're expe- expecting plenty from Thomastown and, and Diamond Creek and the Stars had a new look to them as well. So I thought Whittlesey would you know play finals, but I wasn't sure the impact they could have there, but they uh, they've surpassed my expectations now and particularly what they did at the weekend. I know St Mary's is outside the four, but they were in good form to come from behind and to, to storm away with that win. Um, yeah, they're, they're, starting, they're hitting their straps at, at the right time. They have the Stars this week, a bye, and then play Banyul, Thomastown, Watsonia in the run home. So they've still got to play you know, some, some really good sides, which I think puts them in good stead going into the finals, coming up against the, the better sides in the competition. So um, they're, they're one to have a real watch on. And... and you look at Banyul and Altham. Well, Banyul just starting to hit a few hurdles now. They won the first eight games straight. Um, now you look at their, their recent performances. They've dropped two of their past three. And without being disrespectful, we thought if they're going to drop two games, you'd imagine they would have been against a, a Whittlesea or an Altham, perhaps a Thomastown. But to lose to two sides outside of the top four probably comes as somewhat of a surprise. So they look to, they'll have to look to just get back into form now. They've got plenty of time to, to do that as they head into the finals. I know that as it currently stands, they haven't quite now locked away that double chance, which we thought they had. But given the fact they've played only 11 games, everyone else in the top five's played 12. They're just about there with probably need to win just... Uh, you know, probably three games to absolutely secure that and still likely to finish in first spot. But all of a sudden, there's a little bit more vulnerability about them than they might have been previously. And then the other one is, we haven't really touched on, is Altham because they're back in the winner's list at the weekend after downing the Fitzroy Stars. They've been up and down to an extent in, in the past month, still have plenty of talent out of the side. They now need this final month to, to just get their best players back on the park and and just build some cohesion before hitting hitting the finals uh, final series. Yeah, they're a really talented side. Altham obviously only lost last year's grand final from the, from the last kick of the season, so it's a real tough one to take. And they've come in this season, and they're they're a side that we know can go really far, and they've got the talent to go really far. Um, Banyula one that, as as you said, they're they're in the box seat to to finish on top of the ladder. The game against Whittlesey coming up in around sixteen will be a huge one because. It could go two ways with Banyul. They could either win that game and it gives them that boost they need to go into the last part of the season and they become all-conquering once again. It also, they, they could go down to Whittlesey and it could really put a lot of doubt in the minds of some of the players and say, well, how are we going to win the Premiership if we can't if we're, we've lost to two sides that are out of the top four and also lost to probably their biggest contender. Well, you look at their, their final five weeks and they've got Altham away this week in the Twilight Games. So that's a big game at Altham Central. Then they've got three consecutive home games, but against stiff opposition, Fitzroy Stars and Whittlesey before playing Epping. And then they travel to Thomastown in the last round where Thomastown's potentially playing for, for fourth spot in the ladder. So it's a big five weeks. I actually think that's better for them. They're playing the best sides at the, at the, the right end of the year and there's no better finals preparation than to play those sides that you might well meet in September. But 
Yeah, as we said, after looking like they were going to go through the season potentially undefeated, they've just started to, to have a wobble in recent weeks, but plenty of time to correct that for Banyul. So this week's fixtures, we've got Epping at home to Diamond Creek. Good to see the main oval back in operation yep. at Epping as so they hosted Thomastown last week, the first game that they've played on the main oval this year. So um, obviously they've had some, some plenty of work done to that ground and it's looking good now as well as we get towards the, the finals uh, time of year. So they're at home to Diamond Creek. Thomastown hosts Watsonia. And then the two bigger ones, so to speak, that involve that really have a, a major impact on the top uh, four and perhaps the top two, Whittlesea at home to the Fitzroy Stars at the Whittlesea Showgrounds and Altham hosting Banyul, Altham Central Park. That's the twilight game. So I think many people have been looking forward to that one. We know they played earlier in the year where Altham had many players out of their side. This is a big test for both sides as they really look to, I guess, get a measure as to where they're at heading into the final month of the year. And in preparation for that game, we caught up with the coach of Banyul, Paul Harris, to get his thoughts on the upcoming game, but also what he's thought of the opening 13 rounds of his side's A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2 campaign. He's Paul Harris. Paul, obviously it's been, to this point, a great season for your club. Having said that, at the weekend, probably the worst performance of the season going down by 40 points against Diamond Creek. Uh, what did you put the, the weekend down to? Uh, thanks, Sam. Um, the, yeah, the weekend, Diamond Creek obviously came out to play. Um, they, they've shown some really good form the last couple of weeks and they continued it on the weekend. So um, all credit to them. They were, they were really good at the contested footy. Their pressure was good um, and we probably just didn't adapt quick enough to it. Obviously, the, the season started and you had the, the long winning run. It was eight in a row now. It's, I think you dropped two of the, the past three. But having said that, uh, you've still been the, the side that's been the benchmark of the competition. What have you made of, of the opening 11 games that you've played in, in 2019? Um, it's a pretty even comp. Um, it's funny how I think most comps do even up as we get sort of to June and July. Um, you know, you can sort of sometimes think that there's a bit of a gap between top and bottom at the start of the year, but they're Somehow it all evens up towards the, towards the middle of the year, and uh, there's no difference this season. Um, three weeks ago, uh, St Mary showed us up on their ground, um, and that, I think that was their second or third win for the year, and they've been really competitive um, before that and after that. So, um, yeah, it's just really, if you uh, at the moment, if you don't come to play, you get beat. I guess having said that, um, given the fact that you had such a good start, you had uh, plenty of plenty of space that you'd put between yourselves and the rest of the competition. But do you see those those two losses in the past three as perhaps uh, a really good wake up call heading into a really important time of the year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, winning um, those games early, you put them away and it gives you a little bit of breathing space. So um, you know, obviously, when you, every, everyone does have bad weeks, and when you do, you've still got that little bit of breathing space, which is fortunate. So. We are the beneficiaries of our work earlier in the year, but um, yeah, on the same token, we, um, we want to be uh, performing better than what we did on the weekend going forward. Your first year at the club, how have you found it? They obviously came into second division last year, had an immediate impact reaching a prelim. You've now taken the reins. Obviously, some, some really good recruiting over the off-season as well, uh, as well as the development of these young kids coming through. But, but what have you made of your first season at the helmet at Banyol? Yeah, great family club, sort of. Welcome the minute I walk in the door. That's from um, officials, families, um, players. So that part of it's been fantastic. Um, and just the organisation off field, there's no surprise. The footy club has 
sort of move from third division to be competitive in second division um, and you know, hopefully play some good finals in, in uh, second division this year. But yeah, uh, due to the organisation off field, it comes as no surprise that the um, footy club's in good condition. Talking of, uh, I just mentioned some of the recruits you brought in in, in the off season. Um, you know, players like Tim Martin coming in, Mitch Lovell, Reuben Blackmore, more. I know you've you've had involvement with some of them in in previous gigs as well. But uh, can you just give us your thoughts on, on how they've adapted in their first season at the club? Yeah, Tim Martin's obviously been a um, really good ruckman for a long time, um, and he's he's been super for us. Uh, big, strong uh, ruckman that gives our mids first use. So. Um, I know the, uh, whenever he misses training due to work, the mids are very quickly ask me, that he, uh, is he available for this week? <laughs> and <it's>, uh, <laughs> I think there's a good reason for that. Um, he gives them some nice, easy touches. Uh, so, yeah, he's been super. Um, the other two you mentioned, uh, Lovell and Blackmore Moore. Sort of, uh, Lovell's mainly played forward. Blackmore Moore's forward and midfield, depending on the makeup of our team. Um, and they've both had really good years. Uh, I thought Ruben was really good on the weekend in you know, what was obviously a disappointing day for us. With, um, I guess it's a, it's a start-studded side, and, and I guess a lot of attention generally does get drawn to a player like Brent Stanton, who's you know done it at the top flight, comes back to his his junior club, and, and have, having a great impact in the past two years. But can you just give us, I guess, the the, the impact he's had not only on the field but but also off it as well? Yeah, he's. TV speaks for itself. Um, he's been great. So he would have been, he's probably been in our best three each game he's played. Um, always gets the, the opposition obviously always sends someone to him um, and he sort of runs that person off their feet by the end of the day and he'd be averaging his 35 touches. He, he hit the scoreboard. Um, and I think it's for a, for a young bloke playing midfield on our side, it's a really great benefit to have someone like um, Stance running around with him. So, um, you know, we probably missed him on the weekend, to be honest. Uh, unfortunately, he's back sh- shortly, so uh, um, we'll uh, be the beneficiary of him again running around the midfield soon. Overlooked Jack Langford before when I talked about players recruited into the club, but how important is his versatility, especially as we get towards the, the big end of the year where we get onto the bigger grounds and a tall player with the, who's so mobile, how important does he become as, as you get towards September? Oh, Jack's a ripper, yeah. He obviously got the same uh, last few years when he was playing at McLeod. Um, and was always nervous about him because he could play anywhere um, and at that height. So he's, he's pretty much played on every line for us already this year. Um, you know, games where Martin's been out, Jack plays in the ruck and plays really well. If we're short down back, he plays centre-half back. If we're short down forward, he plays forward. He, he's, um, he probably doesn't get to play in one position and get settled just due to his own versatility. So, um, <laughs> But, yeah, he's... He's awesome to have in the side because he can play literally everywhere on the ground and has an impact everywhere he goes on the ground. Um, and probably the thing for him is he has played. That's how he has played most of his footy. So wherever he sort of slots in, um, he knows the structure he's meant to be setting up in and so forth. So, yeah, he's... Yeah, he's been a great benefit I think the other thing that probably gets um, overlooked at, at times this year is the fact that you've, while you've had uh, somewhat of a settled list, I think you've used the fewest players of, of any team in the comp. There has been some star players who have been in and out of the side, and you, you, know, you talk of you know the Premiership skipper Scott Gumbleton, you know James Chrysoratus has only played six games, um, Ricky Dyson three. I mean those three in particular, how are they shaping as as we get towards the, uh, I guess the finals time of year? Yeah, so Gumby played his first game back. Um, on the weekend and got through, so he'll be expecting to be fine now. Um, and he missed a month prior to that, so obviously only going to get better with each game he's played. Um, Brad 
that, then he had some groin issues. So um, then he had the week off leading into the bye, which gave him that sort of two-week, you know, three-week break. And that he played his first game back on the weekend as well. So we expect him to... His body's starting to feel good now, so expect him to... Um, string some games together towards the finals. And Rick nearly played on the weekend. Um, and the games he's available in the back half of the year, he will also be playing now. So um, as far as a list goes, uh, we, we would expect everyone available leading into finals. Um, the benefit of that, I suppose, has also been that we've had a number of guys that have sort of first year out of under-19s or top year, top age 19s that have got to string some games together as well, which has been... Um, a benefit, I guess, and as you said, we've we've had a pretty settled side. We've only sort of played low thirties um, at this point in time, but um, you know, most of the young guys are sort of showed signs over the preseason. We've got some, you know, got some game time in the seniors. The I guess the run into the finals, as it currently stands, you're still top of the table, equal on points with Whittlesey, but with the game in hand. But it's it's almost an ideal run to the finals. Obviously, you play Diamond Creek at the weekend, but in your final five games, you play four sides that are well and truly in finals contention, uh, including uh, the the sides directly below you being uh, Whittlesey and Altham and Thomastown, who are in the top four. Um, how do you see that as as you prepare for for hitting the final stage once again this year? Um, well, firstly, we've got to make sure we qualify for top two, so we're not <laughs> we're not quite there yet. Um, so this week's game against Eltham is um, vitally important. Um, the win there can put us, puts us in a really strong position to finish top two, which is what we've been aiming for all year. Um, but you're right, playing all the um, top sides leading into the finals is a great setup for your fixture in that um, you should be pretty confident come the side you pick first week of the finals is 22 blokes that are in form. So... That, that part of it, that part of the fixturing is ideal, yes. And obviously we, you talk about this week's game, but it is a big one, a, a twilight game as well. You play them earlier in the season at, at home and, and, and beat them by seven goals. I know Altham had a few players missing that day, but obviously given the fact that you're coming off a defeat, um, you know, prime fixture, we're expecting a big crowd out there as well. It's, it's a massive game coming up against the side, which has been talked about all year as being one of your main challenges in 2019. Yeah, huge week this week. I've, I still um, think Eltham are the team to beat in the competition. Thoughts are at the start of the year. Um, I, I know they're sitting third on the ladder at the moment, but I still think they are the team to beat. They've got a lot of talent on their list, um, and they just haven't been able to get them all on the park, I think, at the same time this year. But when that moment comes, which I'm, I'm sure will be coming very shortly, um, they're going to be really hard to beat. So, yeah, huge game for us this weekend. We a win for us puts us in a really strong position to finish top two. A loss makes it a real battle in those games that you mentioned earlier where we're playing other top four sides. Well, Paul, uh, we do appreciate your time in, in having a chat to us on the NFNL podcast. Uh, obviously, best of luck in the upcoming five home and away games and then pushing into finals as well. Uh, really do appreciate your time. Thanks, Sam. We now turn our attention to Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, where, as we said from the outset of the program, the top four is starting to look concrete, albeit there can potentially be a change in fourth spot, but it's going to take uh, a bit of uh, a bit of work from 5th and 6th in Heidelberg West and Mernda to make a dent on that. So as it currently stands, uh, we have... Oh, first, we'll look at the weekend results. We had Heidelberg West in round 14, 10 goals, 10-70, go down to Lorimer, 12-15-87. Laylor, 11-13-79, scored its second win of the year, defeating Reservoir, 6 goals, 12-48. South Morang, 11-9-75, defeated Kilmore, 8 goals, 10-58. And Panton Hill, 20 goals, 10-130. Far too good for old Altham Collegians. 
9-9-63. The latter has Lorimer on top with 52 points. They've played the extra game on Panton Hill, but they're still three games clear, so they're going to finish on top of the ladder with just one more win. Panton Hill's second with 40 points. Kilmore is third with 32 points. And then South Morang is fourth on 30 points. In fifth is Heidelberg West on 24, and sixth is Mernda also on 24. The Demons have, though, got one extra game to play. They've had their two buys, but even if they do pick up a win when South Rang has a buy, they'll still be two points outside, so they're going to have to rely on other results. Jared, looking at the weekend that just went, South Rang's win was the, the crucial one. They downed Kilmore by 17 points. Um, the other game that was also a big one was Heidelberg West. They went down by 17 points despite putting up a, a really good fight against Lorimer. So they're the two telling results, and it means that all of a sudden, after the last going into the round, it was pretty tight for fourth spot. South Morang's really opened up some breathing room based on the weekend's results. Yeah, that was a, a huge win for South Morang. Obviously, a team above them on the ladder. They, they would, have, would have gone in as underdogs, but... To, to go in and, and get a, a win, a 17-point win, um, really helps their finals chances and just gives them that little bit of breathing space that they, they need going into the last few rounds of the season because now they say, well, we just need a win, it's all on us, and, and we get that final spot. Absolutely, it is. Probably their best four-quarter performance of the year. It's not often you say that you win a game in the first term when you're trailing by a point a quarter time, but that's exactly what happened for South Morang at the weekend. Very heavy breeze blowing to, to one end of Mill Park Lakes Reserve. They kicked into the wind in the first quarter, trailed by just the one point, broke the game open in the second term to lead by 32 points at half time. Remarkably down at three-quarter time by 10 points after Kilmore piled on seven goals to one. But coming home with the win, South Morang was probably always confident of, of overturning that. And they kicked four unanswered goals in the last. Crucially kicked two goals into the win throughout the day. One in each of the first and third quarters and, and scored a, a vital win for them. So every chance to play finals once again, as they've done every year since returning to Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. Before we go too far ahead to, to what's coming up this week and the potential um, finals set up, Layla, obviously great for them to get a win. Disappointing for Reservoir that that may have been their, their best chance at a win this year, given that they had some you know promising signs against Mernda a week prior, but Laylor controlled that one from the outset, kicked with the breeze in the first quarter, kicked the opening four goals and, and led at the end of uh, every change to score their second win of the year and ensure they won't receive the wooden spoon this year. Now two points and percentage clear of the Mustangs. Yeah, they've done a great job, Laylor, obviously, to get the win on the weekend. Um, Reservoir, it is a disappointing one. They run home, three more matches. They come up against South Rang and Panton Hill. They've got a game against Old Altham, which is probably going to be their best look at this point of getting a win for this season. Um, so they'll go into that one with it. They'll come off the bye going into that one. So hopefully they can they can maybe snag a win there. But Old Altham are, are one of the t- a tougher side as well. Yeah, well, Layla actually themselves play Old Altham this week as well. So for the Turtles, they'll see some opportunities in those. But you're right, for the Mustangs, that looks their, their best remaining chance unless they can cause what would be the upset of the season across yeah. the entire competition, you would have thought. So um, looking at the, the finals mix, we, we it looks set now with Kilmore losing and just starting to look a little bit shaky, albeit they, the fact that Heidelberg West lost means that 
they're still going to play finals, it looks like, from here. There, two games and plenty of percentage clear of Heidelberg West. Kilmore has four games to play, Heidelberg West only three. So you think it's inevitable that the Blues will play in their first finals campaign this year unless they basically lose every game going forward. But um, the top two now looks beyond them. So it looks like Lorimer and Panton Hill are going to be playing in that second semi-final in the first week of the final series. Kilmore should still finish third. So if we look at South Morang, Mernda and Heidelberg West, South Morang clearly has the advantage. Looking at the runs home, we know that Mernda plays the extra game of those clubs. But if we go through each game, uh, each club rather, and, and the games that they actually have coming up. So South Morang, uh, this weekend, for, for them, they travel and take on Reservoir. Um, you'd give them the win there. They then travel to Altham College to take on Old Altham Collegians, have a bye, and then they take on Lorimer away from home. At that stage, Lorimer potentially has nothing to play for. So um, we, with that in mind, South Morang's next two weeks, Reservoir and Old Altham, they'll be expected to win those if they do. You'd expect them to figure in the finals. We look at Heidelberg West. They've got the toughest run of any of those sides in the mix. They've got Panton Hill at home this week, Kilmore away, and then Laylor away before having a bye in the final round. So they're going to have to cause two major upsets in the next two weeks and then beat Laylor and still hope other results go their way. So it's unfortunate for them after starting five and zip. They've only won one of their next eight games. Lost a few close ones. Um, only really been blown out when they took on uh, Panton Hill at the start of the year, and that was the first loss in in what was in the, ended up being a chain of five. But it's the old Altham loss a couple of weeks ago, which is probably the one that's going to hurt them the most. And then Mernda, as you say, they've got the four games still to play. So they had um, they've got uh, had the bye at the weekend. Then they've got Kilmore away this week, Laylor at home, Lorimer at home, and then Old Altham Collegians away. Again, given the fact that you'd say South Morang's going to win two games, that would uh, take the Lions. Uh, I'll just bring the ladder the back up, but they're currently um, South Morang sitting on 30 points, so they're going to be on 38 points. It means for Mernda, they'd have to win every game if that's the case, which would involve include beating Kilmore away and Lorimer at home. So they're going to either, if they drop one, hope that, South Morang drops one that they shouldn't. Otherwise, the top four looks like it's uh, going to be set in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. Yeah, the four teams that are kind of in the top four at the moment, I think, are the four teams that probably deserve to be there. Um, Heidelberg West obviously had that fast start of the season, unfortunately, have dropped off, but they're a, a good club with the, that'll build on that and hopefully go into next season with a bit of confidence. Mernda are one that just perennially just are just outside that finals mix and um, it's unfortunate once again, but yeah, they're going to have to rely on South Morang losing games that they probably shouldn't if they're going to make finals. Um, South, I mean, you're right. I mean, look at South Morang. I know in their past five, they still dropped, I think it's three games in their past five, but there was a one-point loss to Mernda in the worst conditions yeah. imaginable. Lost to Lorimer by seven points when they were right in the game, um, led for most and probably looked like you know claiming that big scalp. That was back in round 10 and, and a fortnight ago, you know, really challenged Panton Hill in a game with Yes, they lost by 29 points, but they they certainly didn't disgrace themselves. So they've they're showing that they're up to it. And in the finals, they can obviously um, you know have an impact. And the fact that they'll potentially, if they do finish fourth and Kilmore third, 
they'll play each other in the first week. They've beaten Kilmore both times this year. So I think you're right in terms of consistency as a playing group. They're probably the, the, the four sides that uh, the top three have clearly earned their right. And then South Rank's proving to be the most consistent of those sides that um, yeah, are, are fighting for fourth spot. So a look to this weekend, Jared. And the, the game's coming up. It is going to be round 15, so we've hit the final round of the Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 season. Reservoir at home to South Morang. Heidelberg West hosts Panton Hill at Heidelberg Park. Kilmore at home to Mernder at JJ Clancy Reserve, where a Kilmore win would once and for all confirm their final spot the first time in the NFNL. Mernder returns from the bye and has to now win every game. And Laylor up against Old Altham Collegians at Laylor Reserve, and that's a good opportunity for those two sides who, you know, between them have had five wins for the year, but an opportunity for both to, to notch another win and hopefully build towards a positive end to the year. Yes, some uh, big games. Obviously, Seth and Rangan Patton Hill will to, to get some confidence boosting wins in this round. That Kilmore Mernda game is going to be really important. Obviously, Kilmore playing for that confirmed final spot. Mernda, obviously, as, as we said before, pretty much have to win win out from here. And that last game at Laylor Reserve, I think, is a, is a big, big one because. Laylor, a bit of confidence after this week against Reservoir, so they'll go into this one with, with um, the heads held high and, and Old Altham are a team that have challenged some of the top sides, so we know we're are, are a good side and um, I think, that, yeah, they'll look to, to get a win on the board against Laylor this week. So they're the games in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. Obviously, it's a massive weekend right across the Northern Football Netball League. Netball's getting towards the final stages of the home and away competition, so there's five venues in action on Friday night. We've also got senior women's football action on Friday night with a game between Altham and Heidelberg in MC Security Division 2 women's. Also, Saturday action, the VU Western Spurs are hosting a triple header at Henry Turner Reserve on Saturday, so they've got Darabin Falcons in Division 1, that game starting from 3pm. Prior to that, they also play the Falcons in, in Division 2 game, which starts at 1 and at 11.30, hosting Wallen in the Mervac Division 3 women's competition. All remaining games to be played on Sunday, but there's plenty of action spread out across three days of senior women's footy. Uh, the junior season's also coming towards the end. Two home and away games remaining there. So uh, get around to the grounds right throughout the Northern Football Netball League. Jared Gardner, thank you for joining us uh, on this week's podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a, it's going to be another big week of, of action. And we uh, we really hope you enjoy the upcoming weekend. And thank you once again for tuning in to the NFNL podcast. <laughs>